couple of months back, I think uh, when I was in India, uh, I shared at one of the meetings, um, a guy got saved, uh, oh, got saved, kind of Hindu background. Some of you already heard this story, but I'll just share again. He came to the church, actively part of the church, uh, coming to worship every Sunday, and the leader or the pastor t- thought he's very excited to, uh, uh, about, uh, about Christianity. Uh, then he suggested, I'd like to study more about Jesus. Okay, and I'd like to know how to change, plant a church, these kind of things. So he said, okay, it's better to go to Bible college then. So he was sent to a Bible college. He was trained as an uh, ordained minister or pastor, came out. He planted a church there. Nearly 60 people got saved uh, after a couple of months planting a church, he conducted the Hindu extremes and uh, beaten and smashed that church into pieces. He was a kind of a fake Christian. He was spying uh, to know how Christians work, how Christians share gospel. And uh, everyone was shocked. This was a friend of uh, mine. Uh, he knows this friend. Uh, so that's the way I came to know the story. Real stories happened a couple of months back, a couple of weeks back. Um, so persecution is everywhere. It's not just in India. When we hear the story persecution, the first thought we go, oh, open doors, oh, Iran, North Korea, uh, India, Africa. But we can be persecuted in many ways where we live. Persecution doesn't mean that physical persecution. Persecution doesn't mean that somebody refusing to give you water uh, to drink. Persecution uh, doesn't just mean that uh, you are physically, uh, you know, tortured. It can come in different forms, uh, different ways, and different, uh, or different, uh, uh, different methods can we, we need to face in our workplace, wherever we go. Even in our daily choices, <laughs> we will be persecuted, you know, uh, because of faith. Even when you go to a Tesco and buying a product... And because of you are a Christian, you're making a choice against your normal instinct that you are persecuted there for your faith. Nobody came and attacked you, but you made a choice, willful choice. I know that my flesh say, I need to buy this one. Okay, my normal uh, uh, instinct to go for that product, but because I know Jesus, I want to glorify his name, so I'm making a choice. It's a hard choice to buy this product because I want to glorify Jesus. You are persecuted at that moment. Oh, really? Oh, no. Bless and a bit more. I, at least I, I need minimum a smack or, you know, so then I feel being persecuted. Uh, but uh, persecution can come in different forms. We are looking at uh, one of the stories uh, in the book of Acts. We are continuing book of Acts. Uh, uh, book of Acts chapter 5, uh, uh, chapter 5 is Ananias and Sapphira, um, there, is a, there, there is a story there, after that uh, healings and miracles to apostles and uh, uh, leaders in the church, because of that miracles, uh, there is persecution happened. Uh, you know, to save time, I'm not going to read all that story, but I will skim read and I will come to the main uh, portion in Acts chapter 5, verse uh, Maybe I'll read from verse 29. Before that, I'll give you a small idea of how did we end up there. Uh, when Pharisees and Sadducees, the other religious leaders, when they heard this, many people are following Jesus. They thought Jesus was killed. 
it's finished. Christianity is finished. No more, it, it's not going to exist. So after his death, everyone is going to be scattered and everyone is going to finish their business and go home and they will come back to Jewish religion or they will, they will go back to their general religion or something. But things are not going well as they thought. People are gathering. This couple of guys and standing in the street and healing a lame. Okay, then there is hundreds of people gathering and something called getting saved. Then they are doing something called baptism. They, then, then some crazy story happened, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are speaking, speaking different languages and spoken tongues. Okay, that's it. Now healings, then miracles, and people start listening to these crazy guys. Things are out of control. So they thought, we need to bring boundaries. We need to, we need to, to crush them. We need to bring order into the city so that we can comfortably have an alliance with the Roman Empire. We can do business with them, you know. If Christianity is growing, many of our business won't work. If Christianity is healing people, we are in trouble because they know that we never healed anyone. We know every scripture, but we never healed anyone. We didn't anything, you know, good for the people. We were always there with the religious rules. But these people are different. They're compassionate. They're everywhere. They're sharing. They're inviting people into uh, different families. And they're giving. They're selling their properties. And they're like a family. This is different. I don't know. Any Pharisee invited a, a, a tax collector into his family but this is different. They are like a family. They're sharing. They're, they, they thought everything is in common. This group are bringing threat and uh, uh, threat into their, uh, into their Jewish community. They decided to arrest them. So arrested them. They put them into prison. Uh, but what happened, uh, Bible says, an angel of the Lord, um, in, that's in chapter, uh, verse, chapter 5, verse 19. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message, this new life. That is supernatural. How many of you uh, read or heard the story of Brother, uh, 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 brother Andrew or uh, the heavenly man? How many of you? You can, you can read, you know, hundreds of stories. There, you know, the supernatural. Even, I heard many stories in, in India itself, you know, so people in the villages, uh, I don't remember one time, there's a, it's a quite uh, amazing story. There's a gospel meeting happening in Andhra Pradesh, that's in one of the states. Hundreds of Hindus are gathering and they're coming to Jesus. There is a big revival happening. Temple people where they're not happy because they are losing their money and their hold in, in, the, in the temple. So, in India, for temples... Elephants are very part of their worship, you know. So they do worship elephants, and they do decorate elephants for temple processions to 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 make their god and goddess happy. So if the uh, if the elephant is more colorful, so that means the goddess will be ha ha. I'm so pleased. So they will make sure that it's nice and colorful. So what they did in the midst of this gospel meeting, they brought an elephant and asked the elephant to run through through in between the meeting. You know, just run to kill people. So nobody killed anyone. Who killed the uh, people? The elephant killed. So we didn't do anything. So if you want to shoot an animal, you can shoot an animal. But you can't shoot an animal because this is one of our gods. So they literally brought the elephant there. 
for in India or in Africa, if it's a trained elephant, they will obey like in a horse or some of the trained animals, they will obey whatever you ask it to do. So they say, run, they will run. They don't care about people or anything. So there's a tense situation. There are hundreds and thousands of people gathering there. Temple purpose are there in one corner. The guy was preaching, he was from Kerala. He was a kind of evangelist and planting churches there. So he knows that this is something going to happen. What he did, he felt there's a great faith in him. He said, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, elephant, sit down there now. You know, the elephant just sat down there. Just sat down there. Then said, till I finish, you stay there, let me finish my preaching. He preached, people got saved. That was a demonstration of God's power and his glory. So they finished the meeting and they went home. What's the trouble? The elephant is still there. <laughs> so the temple people are stuck. So these guys came to see this, uh, uh, this man and said, humble, begged, would you please ask that elephant to stand up and go home? <laughs> so, so here, so when we hear, oh, an angel of the Lord came and opened the doors, mm, this is something, uh, 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 you know, I, I can't. No, these things are happening every day. Every day. God is at work. God is always at work. But some people are facing physical challenges. No miracles are happening. But God's grace is with them to persevere, to face the challenges. But some occasions, God supernaturally intervenes. In both cases, God is good. God is great. He is so amazing and he is so wonderful. Here, an angel of the Lord came and you know, opened the jail and brought them. Uh, said, go and preach about the good news. So when they heard this one, they were so puzzled, and they brought Peter and the other apostles uh, back into the court and questioned them. Then said, uh, that's uh, in verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. They said, we ask you to shut up. We ask you to keep quiet. You are a minority. We are connected to Roman Empire. If you rebel, you are in trouble. But you are not listening. You are moving forward, sharing this good news or life to people. You are sharing. And it's quite interesting. They said, yet you have filled Jerusalem. So everywhere... People are hearing about Jesus. Everywhere people are talking about Jesus. Somehow things are spreading. It's out of control. That's why they got, ups, uh, got upset. In verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as a prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witness of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This is something breathtaking statement from 
fishermen talking to Pharisees and Sadducees. It's like, a, hey, white British, you won't get any new passport anymore. If an Indian say that one, I will be in trouble. <laughs> I'm saying, white ethnic born and brought up in England, if you're going to renew your passport, you won't get it anymore. You will be furious. How dare you talk to me like that? So here, the same way, you can't be part of the kingdom of God. He's talking to the Pharisees. They thought they are the people. They are communicating. If you are not repenting, if you are not following Jesus, you cannot be part of the kingdom of God. They thought they got it. Peter saying, you're not going to get it if you're like this. So, it's understandable. They were furious. They really want to put them into death. Can you imagine? They want to kill them. It's the anger and the frustration. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them into death. And there is a story going on. And the Gamaliels, there's a guy uh, came up and stood for them and talked for them and said, uh, uh, don't deal with in a physical way. Don't try to persecute them in any way. If it is from God, it will sustain. If it is not from God, it won't sustain. So Gamaliel is one of the uh, guys, uh, one of the uh, renowned Pharisees or reputed person stood up and said, there are many guys in the history came up but they didn't survive. If they are like this, man, they didn't survive, don't worry. They will die with their doctrine and theology. I was thinking, Gamaliel was so quite confused in this stage. He was not sure about whether this is the way or not. Or could be because of the people. Thousands of people outside waiting. Can you imagine they are not saved people, but they are quite excited about this way. And if they are seeing Peter being arrested, all the apostles being arrested, and, and saying, we are going to kill them, these people definitely will take the stone. There will be a riot. No one can control this one. They will say, we don't care about Jesus or your religion, but one thing we know, they are different from you guys. So don't touch them. So there could be a, a there is a, some sort of uncontrollable political situation can happen, could be the reason Gamaliel said, don't touch them. Be wise. We can deal with it in a different way. Let them go now. Verse 40. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So not completely uh, able to persuade them, but still they got flogged, beaten. Could be 39. I don't know. There's no number there. Usually it's 39 behind, uh, behind their back. It's quite horrific thing to get. I don't know how many apostles were there, but Peter was definitely there. Some of the apostles were there. But they were beaten. How many of you read the story recently about the guy? He wrote a blog in Saudi Arabia. He was arrested and he was, uh, you know, it's a hundred lashes. How many of you heard that story? Okay, at least some people are reading newspaper. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, yeah. And after getting 50 lashes, they postponed that because it's not healed. So they, can't, they, need to, they, they are waiting for the 50 because still bleeding, still pus coming. So he is just waiting. When it's ready, when it's healed, next 50 will go. These apostles faced. Paul once, one time said, you know, so, so five times, five times, 39, 39, 39, 39, 39 times, five times, he faced this challenge. Why? Because he followed Jesus. That's only one reason. <laughs> when he was passionate about his religion, he was killing people. Now he's standing there and enjoy the suffering, knowing that my Savior lives. You can beat my body, but the hope, the assurance of my salvation, the joy in my spirit, and the eternal glory I'm waiting for, that is huge comparing to this momentary light persecution I'm facing in my life. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. What? What's the next word? What's the next word? The apostles left the Sanhedrin crying, weeping. What's the word? Can you read that word? What's your, what's your, what's your, what's your, what do your Bible say? Oh, I didn't hear that one. Come on. Rejoicing. My goodness. After 39 lashes, after all that pain, after all that threatened, the, like a kind of oppression and all kind of fearful things happened in their life, it's easy to read, but just go to their place and just watch. I'm, I'm just inviting all the city church, not congregation, just come with me and just stand in, in that corridor and watch these apostles flog and they're walking out rejoicing. Can you see that? Can you see that? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. After all this pain, and suffering because, oh, there is a because coming. They had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. Verse 42 day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped preaching teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Never stop. I, you know, I, I, when I was preparing this sermon, I think I, I can go with like eight weeks this one, you know. <laughs> it, you know, just 
It, it's huge, you know. So even they say they're rejoicing because they had counted worthy of suffering. Counted worthy of suffering. What does that mean? Jesus already suffered. Why should we suffering now? Why are we suffering now, you know? If he already paid the price, why should I, I suffer? You know, what's the, what's the, why, do, why should I go through this kind of suffering? If he already paid the price, if he say, Tetelestai, it is finished, why? Why do I need to suffer? That's one of the biggest questions this generation asks. If God is good, why suffering? If God is good, why my mom died in cancer? If God is good, why millions of people dying with cancer? If God is good, why AIDS still killing many people? Why Ebola? If God is good, you know. But these people's response were different. The rejoicing because they had counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So they understood something deeper in the midst of suffering. We will look. Why did they count themselves, you know, worthy of suffering? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. We do not lose heart but though our outer man is decaying yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. There is something here nobody wants and something here everybody wants. You know, so like uh, Paul is saying do not lose your heart. The context is uh, if you get time, read 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, f- uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Do not lose heart. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering, you can lose heart. In the midst of this kind of suffering, Peter and Paul, or, 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 or Peter can't just say, enough is enough. We need to give up this one. But they considered themselves uh, uh, glory, uh, uh, giving glory to God. Two things mainly happens in the midst of suffering. One, God will be glorified. Second thing, church will be strengthened. I will explain quickly <laughs> because of the time. If I'm not finishing, I will continue next sun, uh, next all together. <laughs> God will be glorified. And second thing, church will be strengthened. Let's read a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll, and to stay there a bit, then I'll move forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surprising power is from God. And not from us. We are hard pressed on every side. But not crushed. Perplexed. But not in despair. Persecuted. But not abandoned. Stuck down. But not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. 
so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always be given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body, so then death is at work in us, life is at work in you. This is a, a big passage. Paul is actually saying, God will be glorified in the midst of suffering. How God will be glorified? Because when a, when a person going through suffering, your natural instinct is to give up. Or to say, God is not good. Because, one, two, three, four things. But for a believer, he's not making a conclusion, not on the basis of what he's going through, but what he's already experienced in his life. Because he will say, this is momentary. This is really small. This is really short. This is going to shape me and this is going to strengthen me. I'm not going to speak against God. I'm going to shout, God is good. When people see that one, this is different. Most of the people, when they go through suffering in the world, they speak against God. And what they do? They will go to the path of finding their comfort in something else and completely lost in their walk, in their life. But for a Christian, it's different. I'm suffering. I'm going through persecution. I'm stripped down, you know, I'm knocked down, I'm crushed down. But one thing I know, what I'm experiencing in my life is bigger. My hope is bigger. And what is coming is huge comparing to this momentary thing. So through our life and response, people will see suffering is not the thing. Sickness is not the thing crushing you down. Loss of someone is not the thing making you going down. Something beyond that. They will know that sin is the ultimate distractor of your life. When people receive the salvation, they know that I'm enjoying eternal joy now. So this suffering is nothing. Because God is, you know, in his glory, in his grace, he granted me that salvation into my life so I can rejoice in God and I'm safe and secure. So when we respond in that way, God will get the glory. God is not getting the glory because of the cancer. God is not getting the glory because there's an accident or death. God is getting the glory because our response in the midst of suffering, knowing that God is sustaining a Christian in the midst of suffering and that will give glory to God because that's the greatest thing this world can't have. So God will be glorified in the midst of suffering. And the church will be strengthened. How? When people go through suffering, their response to their brothers, 
Most of the time, when people are in suffering, they always say, give me, help me. Oh, I'm in need. Oh, trying to get attention. Oh, kind of, oh, always they say, I'm in trouble. But for a Christian, even in the midst of suffering, they can receive help from many people, but even in the midst of suffering, they're always ready to give because God already lavishly filled them with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Have you seen that kind of people in your life? I came across many people. I went to pray for some of the people, but I was blessed by them because they were strengthening me. Blessed, sit down. How is things going on? Can I pray for you? I came to pray for you. I know that. My body is decaying. I'll be dying soon. So what? I'll be with Jesus. That's a better place. My husband left me because I decided to follow Jesus. It's painful, but when I think about the love I receive from Jesus, I never know anyone so much love me. I know anyone else in my life so much give me comfort. When I know Jesus, he's everything. This loss is painful, but nothing comparing to the joy I'm experiencing from Jesus. So church will be strengthened in the midst of suffering. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. If you get time, please read Hebrew chapter 12, Hebrew chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. I was, uh, I, you know, just... Uh, you can see that this is something bigger. This is something huge, what God is doing in our life. Let me move forward. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything lost, comparing to the surprising greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which brought faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I know that Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. A man, Paul, is talking in the midst of his suffering. I went through horrible things, but that is nothing comparing to the glory I'm experiencing in my life. The power of God and the life of his son are manifested in our weakness. We can say one thing, I can't face this, but by God's grace, I can face it. 
I won't survive in the midst of this suffering. But I can move forward because of God's grace. Let me go to a couple of uh, slides, you know. If you go to the slide number one, there are some helpful uh, uh, explanations there. So that will, uh, uh, we will read through that one. Suffering is nothing more than the taking away of bad things or good things that the world offers for our enjoyment. Could be reputation. Esteem among peers. Job, money, spouse, sexual life, children. Friends, health, strength. Sight, hearing, success, etc. When these things are taken away by force or by circumstances or by choice, we do suffer. You don't need to go to North Korea to be suffered. When you make a choice, if it is a reputation, because I'm following Jesus, I choose to follow Jesus, you do suffer in the midst of, in the midst of, that, in the midst of that choice. It could be making a decision to say no to someone they love you and to marry you, but they don't want to follow Jesus. You do suffer when you make a decision. Everything is offered, but I choose Jesus in the midst of that decision. I know people, they got offered better job in a different city. Everything is offered. And they're told, if you're not, you not taking that job, you will lose this job in this city. Pressure is you need to feed a family. You need to survive in that, in that city. And you're going to lose a job. But God spoke to that family, stay in the city. I want you to be in the city. But they decided to obey God in the midst of losing a job. Even when they got a better option in somewhere else. That is suffering. Friends will say, you are crazy, you are mad, you are fool. Jesus, is he going to feed you? Is he going to shake the heaven and drop you some of the, uh, some of the pounds and feed you? Man, be wise, make decisions. You, you, you have a family to make a decision. You, know, you need to feed them. I know people personally decided to lose their job because God asked them to stay in a city. That is suffering, not physical persecution. Could be anything. Can you go to the next one? All suffering that a Christian endures in the path of obedience is suffering with Christ and for Christ, though not in the same way. Somewhere it could be physical persecution. Some places it could be emotional kind of things. But all suffering that a Christian endures in the path of obedience is suffering with Christ and for Christ. Can you go to the next one? This is from a brilliant uh, 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 definition from John Piper that uh, uh, really the evil and the suffering in the world are greater than any of us can comprehend. But evil and the suffering are not ultimate. But God is. That's the point. You know, when you have the revelation, God will be glorified. That's the point. God will be glorified. The world can't understand this one. But when we face that challenge, we are not saying sickness is nice. We are not saying losing your husband is nice. We are not saying 
crush, crush is nice. We are not saying people are dying with a, a terminal illness is nice. No. All things are bad. But God is good. All these things are bad things happening in the world won't make God bad. He is always good. When the whole world will ask you to say, shout, God is bad. But in the midst of suffering, when you say, I may not understand everything, but I choose to shout, God is good. That's the moment God will be glorified. Because of the joy. Because of the eternal salvation you experience in your life. In order to shout that, we need God's grace. (laughs) Reading Bible 24-7 won't make us shout. That's why we are praying and singing. May I never lose the wonder of the wonder of your mercy. We need God's grace to shout that one. Satan, the greatest lover of evil and the suffering, is not sovereign, but God is sovereign. So God will be glorified and church will be strengthened. I'm going to conclude with uh, some of the points. How can we uh, uh, so in which the, the ways God is going to uh, work in our life. The power of God and the life of his son are manifested in our weakness. The life of Jesus is flowing through your suffering into the lives of other people. Our afflictions are momentary and light. They are only for now, not for the age to come. Comparing to the glory which is coming, they are us nothing. Can we say together, it's nothing. It's hard. Can we say, it's nothing. nothing. Now I didn't hear that. Can we say, it's nothing. nothing. (laughs) It's, It's painful, you know. Suffering is not that easy. But when we know Jesus, then we can say, that's nothing. 80 years suffering, blessing, are you talking about 80 years suffering? When you come in talking about the eternal glory, that's nothing. I'd like to read one bit, then I'm going to finish. That's uh, uh, John Newton uh, 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 wrote this one. Okay, so he, 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 I'll come back to this one. Suppose a man going to New York to take possession of a large estate and his carriage should break down a mile before he go to the city which obliged him to walk the rest of the way, what a fool we should think, we should think him, if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out all the remaining mile, my carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. And cursing the carriage in that one mile. All these miles, he was fine. Just one mile, but he's going to get a big estate. People say, he's a fool. Many of us can be in that position. This is too much God. I can't bear this one. But God spoke to Paul, my grace is sufficient. You can't do it, but I can do it. That's why we need God. We may not understand everything. We may not understand all the theological arguments. But one thing we can always count, God is good.
these afflictions are producing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When you think about what's coming, when, it, when you think and experience what you're already experiencing in your life, in the midst of suffering, we can shout, God, you are good. You are good. You are good. I'm persecuted with the intellectual arguments, but God, you are good. I may not get all the examples to explain God's goodness, but I'm experiencing God is good. So whenever you shout that, you are suffering for Christ, at the same time, you're giving glory to God. It's not easy, but His grace is enough. Within 35 minutes or 40 minutes, explaining the subject is challenging. But I'm not trusting in my eloquency. I'm trusting in the work of the Holy Spirit. Even I believe God's grace can make this thing understandable to Joel. I don't know how. Because God is powerful and nothing is impossible for him. You might be thinking, bless him, I got some of the points. I'm not getting some of your arguments. I do struggle. But I like to shout. I like to pray. I like to worship God, knowing that he is good. I know that. But I love to worship God in the midst of suffering. Let's pray.